starting a brand new uh, series, All In. And uh, we're going to be talking for the next few weeks about what it means to be an all-in kind of disciple. Uh, we want to discover what would happen, we asked ourselves a question, what would happen if we dared to go all in with Christ? What would happen if, if we dared to, to give our everything to a God who can do anything? I mean, think about that. What would happen if you offered your everything to a God who could do anything? I've got a good friend of mine who has this uh, precious little baby girl. She's, she's just beautiful. She's one of these just perfect little, everything's perfect. And, um, you know, if she reaches her to you, you just feel like, oh, I, I, you've been blessed by an angel, right? Because she, now here's the thing, though. Don't tell her grandpa, but she kind of standoffish around her grandfather for some reason. We can't figure it out. Go ahead, go back. Um, okay, I'll use this too. So she's, she's kind of standoffish around her grandfather, and, and, the, and we were standing there, and my, and my friend tells me, and, oh, here's the thing, the, the grandfather, he's, she is like his only granddaughter, right? So you know, he's going to spoil that girl. And as far as I can tell, this grandfather is of considerable means. So this guy was telling me, oh, she has no idea what she could have, <laughs> <laughs> if she would get over this sort of shyness around the grandfather, right? And it's hilarious because she loves everybody else. But I, I was thinking about that with this. This is, like, this is like us. We have a father. We have a father God of considerable means who loves you like you're the only child of his in the whole wide world, right? What would happen? What might happen if we dared to offer him our everything to the God who can do anything? So we're going to be looking at three ways over the next few weeks, three ways that we move from being a casual religious observer to being full-on Christ-following, just, you know, love-filled, hell-storming, disciple-making Christians. What if we move to that? And it comes down to three words. It really comes down to three things, serving, giving, and connecting. This is what we find all through Scripture. This is the model of the early church from the year zero to now. Serving, giving, and connecting. And what we're going to find out in this series, I'll tell you, is that you cannot outgive God. And that when you offer him your everything, he only turns around and, and blesses you with more of himself. And, and it's an amazing thing when that happens. There is a truly supernatural level of blessing and victory that we experience when we fully invest in God's kingdom through serving, giving, and connecting. Serving, giving, and connecting. Now, some of you might notice things missing from this list. There might be something missing from this list. Um, and, and there's one thing in particular that is kind of missing from this list, and it's something that's good. In fact, it's something that if you ask most people, like, why do you come to church? What's the most important thing about church? Why, how do you pick a church? Like, what's the thing about church you find the most valuable? It's something that they might would say. It's at the top of many of those lists. Anybody have a guess? Learning. Learning, teaching and learning, right? Which is a good thing. Why isn't it on the list? You see, when we're talking about, when we're talking about going all in with Christ, or some people might use the term getting deeper. I want to get deeper into the things of the Lord. I want to get deeper into God. A lot of our thoughts instantly 
go toward more learning, more studying, right? I want to get deeper into the word. That's great. The first thing we think of is, is more learning. And one of the challenges of Jesus is that he, he doesn't say that we just need to learn more content. In fact, Jesus challenges head on the people of his day who had the most content of all, the Pharisees. He challenges them head on. He goes, no, sorry, guys. You are knowledge rich, but application poor. They were knowledge rich and application poor. The Apostle Paul, he even says, as he's teaching new people, he's teaching them and he's teaching new converts. He even warns them here. He says to be careful because knowledge puffs up. It's love that builds up. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. So watch out. And he's saying this even as he is teaching them. So for the healthy, thriving disciple, going all in with God means that we have to watch out that we're, we're not just kind of pandering to sort of a, a soulish, psychological need to know more stuff. Anybody ever kind of guilty of this? We, we, we have this just need to kind of know more than the next guy, you know? And we can call that deep. I'm going deep because I'm learning lots of stuff. Well, you want to go deeper in the Word. That's great. I want to be a deep spiritual person. That's wonderful. But going deeper, as we're going to find out, may mean something other than we think it means. Going deeper might mean something other than we think it means. I want to, here's a way I want to illustrate my point. We're going to play a little game. We're going to look at a well-known passage of Scripture. Most of you, if you've been in the church a couple of years, you'll probably recognize it. But we're going to play the game of find the missing words, okay? Are you ready? This is a well-known passage. It's called the Great Commission. And it's Jesus' final recorded words to the disciples. It's in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, don't cheat. No, don't look up it on your Bible. He's commissioning his disciples right before he rises to heaven. And here, here there's, there's two words missing. It starts out in verse 18, Matthew 28, 18. He says, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let's see if anybody can spot the missing words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Three verses, two words missing. Can anybody spot them? You give up? To obey, to obey are the missing words. He does not say teaching them everything. The process of discipleship, which is what we're after here, the process of discipleship is not teaching and learning more content. It is teaching and learning how to live it. See, that's the key. It's teaching and learning how to live it. Now, this is this might this is sound shocking. It was kind of shocking for me, you know, as I'm studying and realizing this. But when you come to church on a Sunday morning. Or you go to the adult Bible study on a Wednesday night. When you go to these things, the goal for you, this is shocking, is actually not to learn more stuff. That is not your goal. The goal for you is to learn how to live. You're hearing teaching to learn how to live, not to learn more stuff. Right? Going to church is not just like the religious version of going to school. That's what some people think, like you go to school, you learn like a bunch of useless dates and stuff like that, and you go to church and you learn interesting things about, you know, Old Testament characters or something. 
but it's not. If you had to have a real good comparison, going to church is a lot more like, like attending a mission briefing in the military. You ever seen this in the movies, or maybe you guys were in the military or something like that? You know, right? What happens, you know, the, the pilot or the special ops guy before they go on a mission? They go in the little room. There's the big, cool, glowing map on the wall. You know, at least Hollywood has. It's always glowing. And, and the map on the wall. And they tell you, here's the mission, guys. Here's what we got to do. Here's the danger. Here's what's going on. Here's why we have to do it, because it's so important, right? Get out there. Be safe. The, the, the pilot never goes back to his room and says, that was really an interesting map of eastern Syria. I'm glad I know that. That was wonderful. No, what does he do? He, he runs out and he gets in his jet, you know, and like goes top gun on terrorists or something. You know, he, he, it's, he's being taught to go do something. It's a mission, right? So we are, we're not learning facts and trivia when we come to church. What we're learning we're learning what we need to do. Learning what we need to do. Now, a lot of you already know this, I know, but um, this is kind of a revelation to some of us. So Jesus, in this scripture, he instructs us to obey. He instructs to obey. He says, teach to obey. And that's what he calls making disciples. Teach to obey, right? Which is an invitation to experience life change, real life change. Not just to increase in knowledge, right? Now, the Bible does give certain descriptive traits of, uh, of what spiritual growth will look like. And growing in knowledge is a fruit uh, of spiritual growth. It's not the goal of spiritual growth, but it is a fruit of spiritual growth. You understand the difference? So that, that's what uh, we had a meeting a while back. Uh, I had a meeting a short, short while back with some of our leaders. And we were talking about, you remember a couple months ago, we, taught, we, were, we had a series on Jonah. Was anybody here for that? We had a series on Jonah. And I was asking our leaders, I was like, is, just to make sure, is anybody under the impression that that series, the point of that series was to learn more about Jonah? <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. I, I think some of them were probably were like, oh. Right? No, that's, what were we learning? About how to reach our city, Right? How to let our heart break for what heart breaks God's heart to reach our city and let his grace flow, right? So, so we're not here just to learn facts and figures about things. Um, 2 Peter 1.5 lists knowledge as one of the evidences, evidences of spiritual development. But the way scripture tells us over and over and over that we go all in as followers of Christ is through obedience to Christ. It's what he calls us to do. And, and what he calls us to do is to love the people that he loves. To love the people that he loves, to serve the people he came to serve. So, you know, so Jesus says, uh, here's how you show me you love me. Here's how you show me. You go and you love the people that I love. You know, we have different ways of showing people love. If, you know, if you have a, a mama today, you might give her a hug, you're gonna give her a card, some flowers, a little present, you know, whatever you do, you take her to lunch. You show her your lover. Jesus says, this is how you show me you love me. Go love the people I love, which, by the way, is everybody, right? So for Jesus, it, he, he's like, if you just want to bypass that and come straight to me and say, I love you, Jesus, he's going to be like, I'm not buying it. Nope, right? If you really want to show me you love me, love, serve, connect with the other people that I love. You know, uh, for me, I've got, I've got kids, I've got a wife, and I've got kids. If, if you want to be my friend, if you come up to me and you want to hang out with me, 
well, I got kids. If they're around, I'm kind of going to see how much you love my kids, too, right? That's one of the things I'm just going to be seeing because me and my family, we're kind of a package deal, right? You, you, you can't get me without them. And so if you come up to me and you're like, Scott, man, I really like you. I like your teaching. That really helped me. You know, you just seem really great. I want to I be friends. Sorry, is that your son? Uh, could you keep him away? They creep me out. You know, and you, like, move him out of the way so you can talk to me. I'm probably not going to be thinking, man, we, we have, like, made a connection. Right? I'm probably not going to be thinking that, right? Um, if I came to your house and I said, hey, I'm going to come over to your house, but make sure your kids don't answer the door because they're, ew, me and kids. You know, you're going to be insulted by the fact that I don't, uh, I'm not loving the people that mean the most to you. Right? So Jesus calls us to go all in with him by going all in with others in community. So this series is, gonna, is, is about three ways that you're invited, you and me are invited as, at Generations Church to go all in with our community. And it's three ways that we partner in mission, that we become all in disciples. And it's committing to these three things that we just said, serving one another, giving into the kingdom, and connecting with the body of Christ in authentic spiritual relationship. And uh, today we're going to focus on this, this first one, serving. And I can't think of a better day to kick this off and talk about serving than Mother's Day. We are here celebrating that those people in our society who are the absolute heroes of selfless, limitless serving, right, are mothers. But that's being a member of the body of Christ, that's, that's what it's like to walk arm in arm with others in the kingdom. Contribute your unique giftings and talents that God gave you to the body of Christ. That's being a member of the body of Christ. And membership in the body of Christ is really different than membership in the world, isn't it? Like what the world thinks of as membership, it's very different. It's, in the body of Christ, it's more functional. Uh, you, you, it's not like, you know, I'm a member of a country club, so that grants me certain rights and privileges, and I get to attend things, Right? In the body of Christ, it's, I, I'm a member of the body of Christ. It means to be a more functional part that has a role to play. It means recognizing that I don't just come to church in order to get my needs met. The church is not, you know, a restaurant here to serve me, you know, that I'm going to leave here and, you know, put my thoughts on Yelp about, you know. The, the church is the gathering of the very body of Christ, it's the body of Christ where I get to go be the servant. I get to go do the loving, right? And thereby, I get to fulfill my calling as a disciple. It's a very different picture of membership. There was this one time Jesus was having a conversation with, um, with a guy. And they were talking about the commandments. And they both agreed that the, the two greatest commandments were this. He said in Luke 10, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you're right, that, these are the greatest commandments. See, God asks for everything, right? He wants nothing held back. Now, I got to tell you, that sounds really heavy and intimidating at first, right? Right? Well, well you know, gosh, you know, why, why start small when you can just ask for everything, you know? Thanks, God. He, but here's the twist, is that when we offer him all we have, all we are, he unloads his everything into our lives. 
And think about this. I was thinking about the, the children of Israel when God rescued them from Egypt. Remember when they were, they were slaves in Egypt? And God rescues them out of that land. He, pull, he takes them out. He makes them his very own people. And you remember, he gives them the Ten Commandments. And not one single one of those commandments was work hard. Not one single one. In fact, one of the commandments was don't work. Take a day off. Rest. That's the kind of command, you know, I wish, you know, you, you probably wish your boss gave you more often. <laughs> command you to rest harder. Okay. Right? So when God makes you his people, he brings you in. It doesn't mean, and, you, and you're giving him 24-7, you're, you're giving him all. It's not that you're giving him 24-7 of your life where you're going to be working 24-7. He gives you back. He gives you back so much more. And when you experience God's everything, he promises us in one place in Malachi that when we give him our all, that we won't be able to contain his blessing. Which, and you know what? That's kind of the point. We're not supposed to be able to contain it. It is supposed to be more than we can handle. That what he gives us should be more than we can possibly know what to do with. Right? Because he doesn't want us to contain it. He wants you to keep giving it out. He wants you to keep letting it flow to other people, right? He wants his love for you to translate into gobs of overflowing love for all kinds of other people. His blessings for you to overflow into blessings for other people. Imagine today with me. Imagine what might happen if you dared to give your everything to the God who can do anything. I have a suspicion you might not be able to contain it. You might not be able to contain it. What would happen if you said, I want to be a blessing to the people God loves so much. I want to serve others. I'm going to give God my time. I'm going to give God my hands. I'm going to come to church and not just be a, a user. I'm not just going to be a receiver, you know, of what others can offer me. But I'm going to come dive in. You know, maybe it's joining a team and volunteering my time to others. Maybe it's diving into your neighbors, diving in and seeing what you can do for them. Maybe it's giving to more in your community, to the, to the, the poor and the desperate in this community. Diving in, going all in, being that kind of person. You know, a, a fun exercise is to try to outgive God because you can't do it, right? You can try, but you can't. The Bible tells us, in fact, that what we do for other people Christ considers it an act of generosity directed at him. That's pretty cool. So let's dive a little deeper into this, this concept of serving. In 1 Peter 4, verse 10, he says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Now, look at that. See, when you serve other people, you are flesh and blood stewards of God's grace. That's kind of a cool thing. Flesh and blood stewards of God's grace flowing to each other in the church. In other words, God doesn't just sprinkle his grace on all of us from up on high individually. You get to be a steward of his grace to other people. Right? That means when you serve other people, you are partnering with the creator of the universe right, to, to accomplish his will in the lives of other people around you and in the world. That's what serving is all about. 
You are partnering with the creator of the universe. And when you get involved in serving, you are taking on something that has eternal significance. I mean, just let that sink in for a minute. When somebody asks you on Monday morning, what would you do this weekend? You'd be like, well, I was just partnering with the God of the universe, you know, accomplishing some stuff that he's doing around the world of eternal significance. He likes to use my help. He could do it on his own, but he likes me, so I help out. What would you do this weekend, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty heavy. To be a Christian is to be called to serve. It's to be called to serve, to serve the members of his body. That's how you grow spiritually. You want to grow deeper? It's how you do it. That's how you grow deeper, and you grow in your relationship with Christ. Jesus himself said this, that I did not come to the world to be served, but to serve. Now, Jesus said this. Why would we, being followers of Christ, want to declare anything less as our calling? Not to come here to be served, but to serve. I want to I look at a story that happened in the Bible. This is a really good story. Near, near the end of his time on earth, uh, Jesus was with the disciples. They were in the upper room, and they were about to have this sacred meal called Passover. And uh, it was just before his arrest and crucifixion. So his time was really coming to an end, and he knew the critical importance of this moment. And, and so they're sitting down about to have, uh, you know, the Last Supper and all that good stuff. You've seen the painting. Um, and what were the disciples doing? What were the disciples doing? They were in full-blown selfish me mode, right? They're fighting about which of them is the greatest. He's fixing to die for the sins of the world, but which of us is the greatest, right? Try to imagine this. Just hours before Jesus lays down his life in the greatest act of selflessness in history, these grown men are acting like children playing king of the hill on the playground, at a time when they should be savoring every single little moment, right, with, to be with Jesus. They're thinking of themselves. So all this is going on, and the Passover meal is being served. And over, some, something has been overlooked. It turns out everyone has overlooked something very important, and that is nobody's feet has been washed. We've all been there, right? I mean, how many times have you been at a, par- you've been at a party? Like an hour later, you're like, nobody has washed my feet. Um, how embarrassing for the host, really. No, this is not very common for us. Uh, but, but back then, to give you a little context, this was a very big deal. Foot washing was a very big deal. And mainly because people walked around all day, uh, you know, in sandals or barefoot. That's just the way everybody walked. And instead of sitting in chairs, like we would do chairs at a, at a table, they would sit back at very low tables. Sometimes they would be sitting on the floor, usually. So it's, it's very possible that the smelly feet of the person sitting next to you could be in your face um, as you're sitting there. Remember also, this is an agrarian society, so there's cows, chickens, uh, sheep everywhere, and the stuff that cows, chickens, and sheep leave behind is everywhere, and everybody's just walking through it. So this is kind of the situation when you come over to somebody's house. Um, so what would happen is typically in those days, there was a servant who was very low on the totem pole. Uh, he was posted at the door, and his job was to wash people's feet as they walked in, right? Um, now, either the disciples couldn't afford to, you know, rent a servant, or somebody just forgot. Something happened, but nobody's feet had been washed. And so, you know how that goes, Feet need to be washed, and the servants aren't going to do it. They're looking around. Who has the least power in the room? 
Who's low on the totem pole, right? Who is the poor sap that has to get up and wash everybody's feet? Uh, is there anybody here who was a youngest child growing up? Youngest child? You know what it's like, right? Who's the one that has to, like, go fetch something because everyone else is too lazy to get their rear off the couch, right? Or you have to sit in the dreaded seat in the middle in the back seat of the car, you know, squished between everybody, right? Youngest child. Lowest on the totem pole means you get stuck with what nobody wants to do. Which is pro so it probably is not really that surprising when you realize that they were arguing about who's the greatest. Because nobody wants to be the least. Nobody wants to be the one that has to go do what needs to be done. As John records the story, he tells us this in John 13, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And in the vernacular of the day, one of the expressions they would have used for that is that all things were under his feet. They were under his feet. Jesus, Jesus is the man in the room, right? He, he, he is the most powerful man in the room. He is El Jefe. Everyone knows it. Have you ever been in that situation where you're kind of the most important person in the room or most powerful person in the room? You know, maybe you're like the, the boss and you have your employees with you or something like that. Or maybe you're the leader of a company and you have people around you. Or maybe you're just like with a group of friends. And every group of friends has that one person who's kind of the alpha dog, right? They're kind of the ones that sort of call the shot. We're going to go here today, you know, or something like that. When we're in a position of power, if ever you're in a situation like that where you're kind of the one calling the shots, what is our default setting? Yeah, naturally, we want to, to use that power for us. That's what kind of what comes naturally, for our comfort. We tend to allow others to serve us. Um, but in this very moment, in this moment, in the, in the upper room here in Jerusalem, Jesus, as he so often does, breaks free from this default setting. And John records it like this. He says, verse 4, So he, Jesus, got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel he had around them. And the disciples just had to be like their mouth open at this point, right? And it's easy for us, I understand, to, to miss how totally outrageous and unthinkable this was for Jesus to do this. Remember, he is the top dog in the room. He's the leader. He's the man. And yet he kneels down and he takes the place at their feet like the person at the bottom of the totem pole, the humiliating position. He becomes the servant. And then when he finishes, Jesus says this. This shows what an incredible leader he is. He's such a great leader. He says this in verse 12. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Verse 14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What does he say? That you should do as I have done for you. He's not, he's not teaching any facts and figures here. This wasn't just for their learning edification. This was a model of what, how they should live, what they should do. He gives us a clear example. He says, friends, I am here to use my resources, my authority, my position to serve others. 
That's why I'm here. And he says, if you follow me, do as I've done. Your life is about serving others. The most powerful man in any room, in any place in history, teaches us to use our power, our influence, our hands to invest into the lives of others. So, so serving, serving others is the default setting. It becomes the new default setting for a Christ follower. Serving. Now, let, let's talk about something else for a second. Let me take a little sidebar. There, I also recognize that there are some for whom it is not the time to serve. There are some. Serving is, it's not okay to be serving right now. There's a season that some folks might be going through in which they are not expected to be on the front lines of the battle. Because either, A, let's see, they're suffering. They might be suffering, which means that you're going through a difficult time. And so, you know what? You just need to be at peace. You need to have people love on you, right? When you've been wounded, we don't just tell you to suck it up and get back into the battle. We actually want to help you get healed first so you can get back to being a healthy, functioning disciple, right? That's one of our core values. It's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. We love you too much to leave you there, right? Right? So it's okay. So, so you might be suffering, right? Another category, you might be seeking. So if you're seeking, you're seeking Christ. You're not, you're not really sure what this is all about. You're not really sure if this is for you. That's okay. So right now, your job is to ask questions from those who are already disciples, right? So there's people who are serving. There's people who are suffering. There's people who are seeking. Here's what you don't see on this list. People who are sedentary, self-centered, seat-warming, space-taking sightseers. <laughs> that's, not, that's not one of the, the, the three S's. <laughs> Right? So seriously, I want, I want you to know my heart this morning. Why, why are we saying all this? If this is you, if, if that one is you, that last, that last one on the right there, if up to now you've been kind of a, like a spiritual tourist, a spectator, I want you to know that, that I love you and that we love you. We do. We love you. And if you want to experience that kind of love, that love that I have for you and the love that all these other people here have for you, that ability to love people simply because God loves them, not because they're cool or because they, they're doing us favors or something like that or because you admire them, but just because they are loved by God, if you want to experience that, then you need to understand how much God loves you. When you get a glimpse, I'm telling you this, this is the key, when you get a glimpse of how much God loves you, then you want more than anything, to show your love for him. And how do we do that? By serving the body of Christ. That's what he told us. When you get a glimpse of his love, you can't help but show him how much you love him. And we, we serve the body of Christ, and we serve those who are suffering in the world outside these doors. Amen. So we're, we're, we're coming close to the end. I want to try to land this plane today by giving you some, some next steps. Are you here today and you're ready for, to, to have an all-in experience with God? You want to go all-in? You want to know what happens when you offer your everything to the Father God who can do anything and he loves you like crazy? Then, then I'm going to ask you to make one of these two commitments today. I'm going to make one of these two. Number one, commit to serve so you can grow. Commit to serve so you can grow. And this is how 
you grow spiritually, no matter what stage of spiritual growth you're at. No matter where you're at, there are places in Generations Church where you can serve. Whether you're a brand new Christian, you don't really know much about the Bible, that's cool. Or you're a longtime Christian, we have places for you in this community for you to serve and use your gifts to bless the body of Christ in the church. There is a place for you. And that is how we grow. That is how we grow, by serving. Or you can make the second commitment, which is this. Commit to grow so you can serve. Some of you might be here. By that, I mean your first step right now may be to get connected to one of the spiritual leaders of the church or to just a really good group of disciples, to get connected with them and say, I need answers to questions first, right? I need to learn more about this Jesus so I can even know what it, what it means to become a Christian. I don't know if I want to become a Christian. You're, what, then, that needs to be your first step. You go for that, and we want to encourage that. We want to encourage that. But if you're number one today, if you're the, on the, the first category, and you're ready to get plugged in and serve the body of Christ in some way, I encourage you, come on, make it happen, Captain, right? Make it happen. Today is the day. Several, there's several ways you can do it. Number one, you can go by the Welcome Center after, after church. Just let them know you'd like to learn about some ways to get involved on one of our volunteer ministry teams. We'll get in contact with you. You know what? Another great way... To, to learn about serving on a team, it's not complicated at all. You just walk up and ask somebody who's doing it. Just walk up and say, hey, you know, they're not going to freak out. They're going to be glad you asked. You want to find out more about being on the greeting team? Just go ask a greeter. If you want to find out more about being on our awesome ushers team, just ask an usher. Um, you like cameras? Go talk to an audiovisual tech, right? You have a gifting with children? Go talk to our, one of our kids' world workers back there who are just my heroes right now, right, because they're back there with our children. Uh, talk to one of the teachers. They can give you information. They can introduce you to the, the leader of that team. It's really, it's really pretty easy. Um, see, we believe everyone has a part to play and a team to serve on. Everyone has a part to play and a team to serve on. And understand, I am not saying this because, like, we're desperate or something like that. We're okay. You need this. You need this. Everyone has a part to play and a team to serve on. I'm saying this because I want you to grow spiritually. I want you flowing in your gifting, whatever that is, whatever your gifting is, whatever your passion is. You should, you should be excited Sunday morning. You're like, oh, man, I'm on the schedule. Yes, right? That should excite you, right? I get to serve Jesus today. I get to serve people today. I get to show love today. Man, that is going to be awesome. That's how you grow your relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, you want to show me you love me? Love people I love. Serve people I, I came to serve. So I, I want to do something, one more thing. If you're here today and, and you're already serving in some capacity, I know so many of you are. If you're already serving in some capacity, maybe you're on duty, or maybe this is your Sunday off. I want, I, and I recognize we have a whole bunch of incredible volunteers back in with Kid World right now. Um, but if you're here today and you're already doing something to serve and make Generations Church happen every week, would you just stand for a second so that we can recognize you and commend you and, and pray for you this morning? Would you just stand if you're already serving in any capacity at Generations Church right here? Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you. You guys... Y'all are, uh, are heroes. Y'all are, are the living embodiment of discipling right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, I'll finish with this. You know, Jesus, he, when he 
finished washing the disciples' feet. And he challenged them to imitate him. He concluded that challenge with these words right here. Verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Notice the blessing doesn't come with knowing them. You'll be blessed if you do them. And that's the great irony in my life and in your life. It's only by moving outward, away from our self-centeredness, that that's where we find the the blessed life, away from self-centeredness. When we move outward, when we serve, we become a little bit more like Jesus right then. We grow closer to him as we imitate him. As you imitate him, you become a little bit more like Jesus. And, and we, find, we find joy in using our power, our giftings, our influence to serve the world just like Jesus did. That is where our joy lies. If our destination, if our purpose and our destination is that we're after an authentic, growing relationship with Jesus, we're going to find it in serving others. Amen? Amen. Prayer partners, why don't y'all come on up. The rest of us, let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. We praise you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. I'm left speechless and amazed when I think of the humility that you showed coming to earth as a man and modeling for us how to live for other people, becoming a servant, the God of the universe washed our feet. How can we do any less? We thank you, Father, for showing us this, for reminding us of of new ways that we can show you that we love you. Give us that heart to serve. Help us to see with our spiritual eye, Lord God, that you are a giver, that you are not here to take more things away from us, Lord God. You are not here to make life harder or to make us work harder, Father God. You are here to to help wake us up to real life, to show us the true life of a disciple and the power that lies in that. Help us to be all in disciples, Father God. We praise you for it. I thank you, Lord God, this morning that you're moving on people. They're thinking of ways right now that they could serve you by serving others. And it might be in this church, and it might be in the workplace, and it might be in their neighborhoods or in the community somewhere. But I thank you, Lord God, that that you show us more and more ways every single day that we can put our hand out and, and serve other people. We praise you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Guy, mothers, we, we love you. We bless you. Uh, all of our volunteers, we love you and bless you so much. And uh, I hope you are, are ready to go all in today. Y'all enjoy your Mother's Day lunch or whatever you got planned. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.